and welcome to Majesco's podcast series with a focus on industry um, influencers. I'm really thrilled today to have Dr. Robin Kira join me on, on this month's podcast. Uh, Robin and I met a couple of years ago, and um, it has been such a pleasure to get to know him. And what's really going to be interesting for today is that Robin brings a European perspective. Um, he's based over in Europe, but has spent quite a bit of time on both sides of the pond, so to speak. So welcome, uh, Robin. Thank you very much for having me. I'm honored. Well, um, one of the things that I wanted to do is, is uh, for our audience, is have you give a little bit of background on yourself and how you got involved in insurance and, and in particular. Well, happy to do so, but first let me make a confession. Uh, I, am, I have been a recovering sales agent now for for five years, I have not sold one policy in five years, but that's how I started actually in the insurance industry as part of the Allianz management program. That sounds fancy, but again, you start as a sales agent, so I know how a typical living room of a client looks like. Um, I then quickly um, went to um, a department close to the board inside Allianz and we did large scale transformation projects, but in a very classical old school IT way. Um, I left uh, the company, went to a startup during a time in which it was not cool yet to work for startups. So my boss back in the days was really um, surprised when I handed him the note and he actually said, and to which department are you changing? I'm like, not changing, I'm actually kind of leaving. But I you know, did not tell him that I was going to an online gaming startup because he probably would have called the company doctor. Um, so um, I also went to work for an, a regional insurer where I learned how not to do the digital transformation. And at this online gaming startup, we actually built uh, one product, or we built several products, but one was particularly successful of making over a billion in its lifetime. And um, at the private bank, we also produced an app which uh, made over 1.4 billion assets under information, which was really successful at the time. So I'm a product and IT guy in the end, but who started um, sales, uh, in sales in, of insurance. Um, at the site, I um, had a, a blog, digitalscouting.de, which exploded over the years into a platform for yeah, the movers and shakers of insurance and finance industry. Um, we, um, uh, we once discovered a small startup and said very early that's going to be very big. It was Lemonade. We also um, predicted Amazon is going to enter the insurance industry and GAFA in general. We were laughed at and now, you know, I think nobody laughs about that anymore. Um, and we were right, <laughs> but we were also wrong several times, but the people remember the times we were right. So that helped us really gain a lot of traction. We have millions of views uh, each month. So that's really exciting. Yeah. So, you know, you and I both have some really interesting backgrounds. Um, you know, my background in a number of different insurance companies in both IT and in business um, uh, for a number of years, and then moved on to Accord, the industry standards organization, and then in, a technology company and then an industry analyst and then back to a technology company. And I think that diversity of background and that diversity of working for different types of um, parts of the insurance um, industry and the ecosystem really provides a, a unique kind of perspective, particularly in today's world with so much change and disruption. Would you agree with that, Robin? I agree totally. And that's also the reason why I think a lot of insurers at some point said, Robin, um, we like your speeches and your content, but what does it mean actually for us? So actually we are now a consulting company. But what I understand actually is a lot of um, career moves that are announced in industry magazines. When you see the sales CSO, the sales lead or 
manager or um, a board member of one uh, um, insurer moves to the other one, that's okay. But I would love actually to see the head of Google uh, of Europe moving to uh, an insurer or that some regional insurer hires the senior VP of Facebook. So we have a closed community, a closed shop, at least in Central Europe for sure. And I think uh, it's dramatically important that we see some influx from outside and also that we see people from the inside moving to various parts of the value chain in order to be able to translate the different culture and needs for example, between sales and the headquarters. I think it's also important because they see things differently because it's not, you know, the way that it's always been done. Um, and they really kind of uh, bring a whole different perspective to different parts of the organization uh, that without change, you really can't see. And I think this is the result or the reason why some InsurTech are so successful because they did not stop when somebody said we have always been a, we have always done it this way just they just um, pursued their vision uh, and their assumptions and that's why they are successful especially in customer facing um, front-end applications yeah I know and um, some information that uh, you asked me for um, in some um, uh, upcoming um, excerpts that you're going to be providing out. Yeah. Um, I, I talked about this kind of view that I think one of the things that InsureTech has really done very successfully is they've taken an outside-in perspective. It's been about the customer first and the market first. Instead, where traditionally most insurers have looked at it from an inside-out perspective, yeah. looking at it to optimize the business, looking at it the way they've always done the business, um, and the way that insurance was defined. And I think those two diverging uh, views are really the, the crux of really where some of the, the, the challenges exist and where a lot of the disruption is happening. Your thoughts on that, Robin? I, I totally agree, um, but I would not even say that's inside out and inside uh, out, outside in and inside out. Uh, I would say it has also to do um, what is the role of the customer. So, of course, uh, it makes sense to streamline processes. That if you streamline a broken process, you have at the end a broken streamlined process. Or if you digitalize a broken process, you have a broken digital process. Um, one example are the early insurance folders um, we saw, we saw especially in, in Europe. Um, yeah, they are a nice idea and technically sophisticated. And pe a lot of people thought they were not uh, able to put, you know, insurance policies into an app. But this does not help a customer because I'm not. I don't know how about. I don't know about you, but I never come home saying, "Honey, let's have a look at our insurance folder." Nobody does. <laughs> and so that's the reason why these apps never were successful. Some are, but they are successful because of cooperations with other industries. So I, I think it's super important, even though I cannot stand hearing this anymore, but, you know, to be really customer-centric and focused and delivering the customer um, services and uh, pro digital products and services that really help them in their daily life. That has been always our success in building apps that made a billion or were a billion worth at, at the end. Yep. So we met about two years ago, a little over two years ago, at the Global Insurance Symposium in Des Moines, Iowa, a new hubbub of insure tech here in the United States. And, you know, when I think back two years ago, there's a lot that has changed in that short period of time. Yeah. Um, at, you know, what do you think has changed in that short period, period of time for the industry? And then secondly, what do you see as the difference between um, what's happening in Europe versus 
what's happening in uh, in the U.S. or North America. Yeah, so I think the hype is over and reality is here. What does it mean now? Hard KPIs are demanded um, by the market, by the public. So the times in which you can impress for a long period of time with a, a, um, a video on YouTube or of your chatbot are over. Now it's real business and real KPIs are demanded. I personally think. I sometimes have the feeling certain investors don't see it that way, but uh, if you see the public the, the, the discussion, uh, you need to deliver more now as an incumbent or as an intratech. Um, and I think from the incumbent side, nobody, almost nobody makes fun about the internet anymore. Two years ago, you had decision maker publicly really uh, showing what they truly thought about it. But only because nobody makes fun about the internet anymore doesn't mean that incumbents actually face this issue. It's just that they learn their PR lesson. Because if you look at the decision makers, in a lot of cases, it's still the same people uh, running the show that actually brought the industry to where it's right now, uh, and that's in trouble. Um, when I see Europe versus uh, uh, the US, the intratech fundings are larger uh, in the US, even though you have some large rounds here too, with N26 and Refox, for example. Um, when it comes to incumbents, Regulators over here, they have a minimum requirements to um, the yeah, technical and uh, capital requirements for incumbents. So you don't see here this mini insurers with just, you know, two different ledgers. Um, and um, so, so I think that's, that's a difference. The big incumbents, I think they are, um, they have a similar situation. You have some who are on top, some who will be positive surprises and some who will have negative surprises. And when it comes to the customer, when it comes to the customer, I think I wouldn't see the big difference between US and Europe. I would see some countries like US, Canada, Norway, Holland, Switzerland that are open to new technology, for example, new payment methods. And you have some laggards, Germany, Austria, that are quite distant to these new technologies when it comes to the behavior of the customer. Um, so I would see there more a, yeah, a, a, um, I, would not, I wouldn't see there a, the, the difference in the, in the pond actually. Yeah. You know, one of the things, um, uh, a, a group of us insure tech influencers um, um, have been talking uh, via one of the posts that you recently posted on LinkedIn yeah. around the role of reinsurers. And yeah. I think about the major reinsurers, you know, many of them based over in Europe. Yeah. And um, they've really been at the forefront of, of insure tech and a lot of this, in, um, you know, disruption and change. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around that. And I think part of it is, is that they've had a lot of capital to use, um, mm -hmm. you know, because um, reinsurance rates um, are, you know, we haven't had these massive, thank God, um, you know, uh, disasters that have had to raise the reinsurance rates. And so they've got capital. Yeah. But I think the other aspect is, is that I think they're worried that some of the traditional insurers aren't going to be able to move fast enough to capture some of these new innovative market opportunities whether it's on demand, it's with autonomous vehicles, it's with um, uh, gig and sharing economy, whatever the type of product is for this next generation of customers, I think they're seeing it and trying to figure out how they're going to capture it as primary insurers. Would you agree, Robin? Well, I, I, I can tell a funny story that actually happened in San Francisco at a conference. Uh, you had a direct insurer from Europe and a reinsurer from Europe. I don't say the country because if you would say the country, it would be quite obvious who it would be. But uh, they were talking and one startup after the other in San Francisco uh, thanked their reinsurer. Uh, in a lot of cases, it were, it were reinsurer from Europe. 
And at some point, the, the senior decision maker of the direct insurer said to the senior decision maker of the reinsurer, you know what? I'm so tired. We have been doing great business for 100 years. And now you guys are supporting these new guys attacking us. That was the direct insurer. And the reinsurer said, well, we don't believe that you're going to make it. And this was already also, I think, three years ago. So I think the sentiment that reinsurers prepare for a future in which not all incumbents uh, take the opportunity and grow uh, a lot and use the opportunity of digital transformation, I think that's a fact. And I am every time surprised with what kind of precision and strategic way of thinking a lot of reinsurers are actually um, operating. And I think they are the wild card in the game of the four players, insurtech, incumbents, tech companies, and reinsurers. If I would need to bet my money on one player who is going to surprise us all, I would say it's a reinsurer. Yep. Yeah, it's been an interesting conversation out there. So, you know, one of the things that um, uh, we talked about and I've been a big part of the whole um, insure tech and innovation kind of focus has been around uh, tech technology and then also ecosystems, um, you know, and the technology, I kind of like to call it the next gen technology. So it's cloud, it's API enabled, it's microservices, it's artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, all of those different types of technologies, but it's also around recognizing that we can't build everything ourselves and that we can't do everything ourselves. And so ecosystems become really important. Give me your view on um, how ecosystems and these next-gen technologies, how rapidly they've really evolved here the last three to four years, and, and where, what your view is on uh, where they're going to take us as an industry. Well, I see more and more corporations between service providers and new service providers, incumbents and incumbents that are actually letting go of the companies they have working together for 20, 30 years and now, you know, trying out new ones. I, I, I see this as a trend actually over, um, all over the place. Um, but what I would say, all the new next tech that doesn't help you if you don't have a strategy for digital products and service or also content to provide to your customer. Um, all this technology doesn't help you if you only provide a sales funnel or a um, contract policy management system or a customer relationship management system. If you do not provide the customer with digital product and service that help them in their daily lives where they're excited to use it and you become actually, and you can become parts of the daily life of your customer, then that doesn't help you. That will not help you. Technology is not the answer. Technology is a tool to reach a future in which you are still relevant. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's why, um, as we've done our primary research to consumers and to small, medium business owners, um, we really see um, that their use of, of digital types of technologies are a massive influence in how they want to interact and engage with other businesses like insurance. Um, and I think what's really um, going to be interesting is that um, when you look at the next six years, millennials and Gen Z um, within the next six years become the dominant buying um, uh, de demographic um, across all industries, including insurance within six years. And that itself is going to change a lot of dynamics for existing insurers that haven't begun to figure out not 
just uh, modernizing their business, but also creating something new that's going to be truly digital in nature and different kinds of products that are going to really fit the, the needs and behaviors of those customers because it's very different. Totally. And um, I'm not sure if you as an incumbent have not started yet, how much time you have left to actually do it. Yeah, exactly. So you're working with a number of insurers, um, like we talked about um, earlier. How um, how can insurers give some insights um, based on the work that you've been doing? How can insurers create a vision and a path to that future if they haven't really kind of um, if they haven't really begun per se to really kind of understand where they need to be in the future? What would you recommend that they do? I strongly believe the first step is to accept reality you know we don't live in the world of the 80s and 90s anymore this is just reality and um, decision makers need to accept that um, the good old times are over it doesn't mean that we cannot have new good old times but the, the, we need to accept the reality um, of the digital transformation of the new gaffers coming up and of new players in the market um, that's the first step and then have we have to look it's actually a lot of decision makers always ask, always ask me when I present them, you know, what our concept is. They say, oh, you know, what is the secret? I'm like, it's no secret. It's like doing sports, you know. If you want to be, you know, a fit person, do what other people that became fit persons actually did. It's really easy. And if you want to become a company that's successful in the digital era we live in, then do what companies did that became successful in the digital era we live in. And there are just, you know, a few um, uh, secret sources you can do as an insurer, which is, you know, don't only communicate once every eight years with your customer, but try to become part of the daily life. Yeah, that's super hard to go in the home screens, hearts and minds of your customers. It's super hard. It's a multi-trillion dollar game. But if you do it and you achieve it, you can grow exponentially. What you need to do it for is build digital products and services in, uh, on different um, in, in interfaces, on different platforms, uh, maybe apps, maybe website, maybe voice skills in order to excite your customers and to truly help them. Don't only provide a sales process to them, but really provide something in which they can um, and manage their lives better and maybe lead the way to financial freedom for all. Yeah, and something you said there, um, Robin, is build digital products on a different platform. Yeah. Uh, because building those digital products and the pricing of those products, if you build it on a different set of technology that's on the cloud, it's using different technologies, and it's not uh, dependent upon a, a lot of that legacy organizational yeah. structure and yeah. all of the, the costs associated to it, yeah. the pricing of those products are going to be substantially different than if you tried to do it on your existing stuff. Um, and really positions you much more competitively to really kind of go out and capture that market. And I think that's a big piece that a number of insurers are still trying to build that stuff, but they're doing it on their old stuff. And so the cost of that is still so um, um, so high, um, you know, as compared to trying to do it brand new, as you say. Yeah. And of course, um, there needs to be some integration layer and you need to get the data out of the old systems. But I mean, I uh, once visited a German insurer and I had to talk with the CDRVP for a large parts of the IT infrastructure. And I said, can you deliver me an overview about what kind of technology you have, what kind of systems you have, what kind of programs you have, and who's responsible for what? He said, no. 
we don't have an overview of technology. I have everything in my head. And I said, come on. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you don't like me that we are here. But uh, please give me this information and this overview because, um, uh, you know, you have presentations in front of the board since 20 years. So you probably don't just show up like this. He said, no, I do. And then I talk out of my head. Well, I can individually understand it because this was his insurance against getting fired at some point if he has the monopole on all the broken systems. But this is a dramatic, dramatic situation and this actually needs to change. Yep. So, Robin, if you could pick one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be? I would say financial freedom for all. Love it. That's a great statement. Love 